keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. It's our SummerSlam review spectacular. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Mr. Robert Karpolis. Just some plugs I wanted to get out of the way first. I'm going to be in Beverly, Massachusetts this weekend at Comedy Off Cabot uh, for the Friday and Saturday night shows. The uh, Derek Humphreys will be opening who's uh who's hilarious and i have another podcast if you like horror uh called the it couple um but uh we got a lot to talk about in wrestling this week mr carpolis um did you have a good summer slam i i right now have beverly mass that's where i want to be stuck in my head so uh yes I, beverly hills the weezer song i was I've just a weezer guy really I love Weezer. Well, Weezer's never Weezer guys, but I was never a Weezer guy. I, I, you know what? It was like that. I was at that perfect age as a kid where like Blue Album came out. You and, and I are like, the same age. I know, but like Windows ninety five. When you got Windows ninety five, it came with the Buddy Holly music video. It was the coolest thing ever. It was the first time you could watch like media on a computer. Uh, and then Pinkerton is just the fucking greatest. It's it's fantastic. Uh, it is the uh, it's an acquired taste. It's the Scott Chaplin of uh, speaking of Sergeant Slaughterhouse. How we doing, buddy? It's right. Pinkerton is the best album. You have to understand good things in order to understand it. Just like Scott Chaplin. You yes. sound like you're getting taken to the bottom of the ocean right now. You sound. Well, that's right. That's what great minds do. Yeah, he's, we're poor uh, people. He, He's going to go record from the Titanic. What could go wrong down there? Uh, that would have been timely. Like I saw the Meg this past weekend. What a hunk of shit that movie was. Yeah, I'm so, sure you really had high standards for the Meg 2. I thought it would. I mean, the third act gets kind of fun, but you just kind of have to. I wish the whole movie was just that. Just one big, you know, tits and ass fest. Kind of uh, like Oppenheimer. You heard what the Meg 3 is? The Meg 3, she's suing Lizzo. <laughs> hey now! <laughs> hey now! Oh man! You know uh, what it is? It's just we don't get a lot of fat celebrities anymore. So it's like whenever we get one, it's just fun to make fun of them. No, no, we do, and then they get super thin and weird, like Jonah Hill uh, or right. Adele. Nobody can make these Jonah Hill jokes now because he looks like a fucking skeleton. Like so. I want a guy who's gonna. Like, I want a John Candy or a Chris Farley who's gonna commit to the bit and then die, and then I feel better about myself. Maybe like to lose weight, I'll just have my wife start fucking surfers or something. That's how I'll do it. Or you're justifying yeah, why you're your wife is currently fucking surfers. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a folks. We have a we have a big Patreon this week, and we're doing the rest of the Paul brothers. We'll probably be reviewing this weekend's wrestling as well. 
uh, next week for the Patreon, we got a mailbag episode. Then our top five feel good moments in wrestling. Today we're doing a SummerSlam review. Next, I thought week- you were doing something with All Japan. Did I hallucinate this? You talked about like, oh, we're gonna watch like the best All oh, Japan. Oh shit! I totally forgot about that. Yes, we're doing that. Top okay. five All Japan matches. It, yes, according to Meltzer. But like, oh well, there them, we go. A lot of them Wait, are. When are, we, when are we doing that? Uh, August 28th. This week, it's the rest of the Paul brothers. But um, I'm going to basically look at the five-star ones I can find on YouTube and just pick five of them. But Meltzer has a lot of five-star All Japan matches. He may have more five-star All Japan than New Japan matches. I'm not sure. But um, we're doing that. So fuck, feel good. We're going to watch some Japanese wrestling. That's for our uh, our people who aren't like uh or pissed that we're not covering the g1 right now which by the way fuck feel good i'm watching japanese wrestling is why Meltzer misses his kids birthday parties yeah well i think the kids are happy about that so i'm sure they're thrilled today we have our SummerSlam review next week guys we've been waiting forever we're finally going to pull the trigger the roast of qt marshall that's what we've never done it before let's do it next week what do you say robert Longest bright side ever. I'm going like filibuster on the floor of Congress. It's going to be a nine-parter. And August 25th, all-in Wembley predictions. Um, My prediction is I will be not watching that show live uh, on pay-per-view. The the biggest party of the summer was this past weekend, SummerSlam 2023, um, taking place in Detroit. I think this was the last big show since what WrestleMania they did the WrestleMania there. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it'll be a long time after. What yeah, what, what, what was it? WrestleMania 23? I forget just when they had on the last yeah. one. It was in Fort Field, Detroit, Michigan. Uh attendance was fifty nine thousand one hundred and ninety-four, which you know, probably that means there was like forty thousand paid or something. Usually that's what it turns out to be. But um it was you know, I, I for me, you know, all in all, uh, I didn't think it was a terrible show, but it was the first show for me in WWE that hasn't felt special in a while. Um, and I think that that's, you know, really since like for about a year, almost every WWE show has felt special and different. And this one didn't for me. I mean, and that, that's just me. Maybe that's a little bit too harsh, but I, I never really got into that moment of like oh man i'm really i'm really loving wrestling right now i i know some people did enjoy it i don't think it was by any means a bad SummerSlam. we've had bad summer slams before this wasn't mabel and diesel but it just felt like there wasn't really many surprises uh it felt like you know some of the matches were too long it felt like some of the matches didn't even need to happen um anyway uh, overall thoughts, Scott, what do you think of the SummerSlam? Um, yeah, so long as you can hear me, I will uh, I will tell you my thoughts. Uh, I thought it was fun enough. I thought the Ronda match was really bad. I thought the Roman, ra- uh, Roman match kind of sealed the deal on we certainly don't need the championship involved. Uh, I saw a lot of jump the shark memes. I wouldn't say we jumped the shark because, you know, Roman's never been Fonzie in the first place. This is, uh, it's been very smoke and mirrors. I think Roman's best matches were when there was no crowd and you did get to watch it like a soap opera because now it's a soap opera. And, 
it makes me roll my eyes pretending this is uh, these are matches and not segments. And so you got a dud of a segment to end a match. Instead of a great match ending, you got a bad SmackDown segment. I, you know, we'll get to the main event. I, 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 for the most part, do agree with you. I, I do not think this was a great, this was a great match. Um, but Robert, uh, why are me and Scott wrong? Well, you're, you're wrong because Scott, they're making movies, bro. No, this would look, this was, this would have been the best pay-per-view of 2021 that WWE has put together. We have very high standards there's a lot of good there are some that are not good uh and some uh, miscalculations i think at the end of the day you can needle drop a lot of points on this show and be like boy this was great and this was great and this was great but like for the patreon we watched SummerSlam 98 by no means a great show had one really good match and you kind of look at it you're like oh this wasn't that bad of a show i think part of the challenge for the SummerSlam was it was very very long i mean it's like four hours and 15 minutes or something like that without a becky trish match uh and it becomes a little bit of a slog so if you if you relax a little bit and just like wrestling it's it's a fun show overall uh are there nitpicks that we're gonna find absolutely but there was maybe one thing on here that was truly terrible and even that you kind of saw what they were doing i don't know i think they jumped and what was that? that was the uh the the ronda shana match that they put out there but we'll we'll get to it but i think just overall the the thing the biggest problem with this show is the crowd they they like they kind of died pretty early on like they may have drank the water from flint and then it kicked in halfway through but they were just silent during stuff that they really shouldn't have been and if i think if this would have been a more engaged crowd like we had at money in the bank or the blood money show in saudi arabia like the audience was super into it and it elevated stuff i think even in that roman match if the audience was there to take that ride it wouldn't have been as awkward Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I I feel that it was uh, it just felt like I was watching like a Marvel movie. That's fine. That that's so the last like, like nine Marvel movies. Yeah, where I was just like, yeah, okay. They've got like they're not doing anything wrong. They're showing all the things they promised to show. But let's get let's uh, tackle this on a micro level. Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Um, I thought this was a really good match. I, I, you know, there's an argument. I don't think it was the best match of the night, but there's an argument, you know, for saying it's best match of the night. Um, you know, I think that the problem is, is that Logan is still really early on and, um, you know, like, and with this type of match, you know, Ricochet is one of the greatest at it, but like, unless you're seeing, you know, Ricochet and Osprey or something, or like El Viking, Viking del Hio and fucking Dragon Lee or somebody like, unless you're unless you're seeing the tippity top guys at this, those are the what those are the matches you're going to remember. So this was a good version of that. And I mean Logan, as far as like a guy who's starting wrestling for the first time, I mean there hasn't been anybody since Kurt Angle that's been able to do what he's what he's doing. But um, 
You know, I, I think that we're spoiled. I, I think that that was the case for a lot of matches on the show, that we're spoiled and, you know, like no one is ever going to have the best version of this match because there's always going to be some fucking Evolve show where a guy does a, you know, 2700 frog splash or whatever the fuck. Uh, Scott, what did you think of this? Uh, this might be my favorite match of the night. I just thought it was a blast, thought it did what it had to do. Definitely kept my interest the entire time. I also think Jamie Nope, who booked this match? No, it was Helms, right? Hurricane yeah, Helms. Um, this was Helms. Was the producer of this match. I mean, you look at the producers of the matches on this show. Uh, you know, Michael Hayes is involved in, in some duds. And I think this is the only one Helms worked on. And uh, damn, he's good. Him and Noble, they seem to be the best uh, at helping the boys piece the matches together. And uh, yeah, this was the most fun I had watching the show. Both guys do their parts well. They dress the part. I mean, Ricochet's always been great at picking a great costume and going for it. Yeah. Start to finish, I had fun with this. Even the announcer who is now is she dating Ricochet or she's married? She's a fiance. She's fiance. Yeah, she was great, you know, um saying Logan's name when she didn't want to. It all worked out, yeah. Yeah, I thought she was uh she was awesome in this. She's probably like the at the very end, her delivering, you know, the winner, uh, I thought it was the best part of the match, honestly. Um, but I felt that the, the next match, too, I thought the end of the match was the best part. Um, Robert, what do you think of this opener? It was, a, it was a really fun opener. I think part of the challenge was they were so obsessed with, like, we're going to go viral. So you had to put all these little moments in there that were going to be like, this is going to be great on TikTok or this is going to be great on YouTube. Uh, and it, it's this. And again, nothing I'm being went fair, viral, right? I mean, it, it went like slightly viral, but we've seen Logan Paul do a bunch of cool stuff. It's kind of the same criticism that they always levy on like Young Bucks matches or wherever, where it's like you're going to have these really cool spots, but the totality of the match kind of suffers a little bit. And I think to some degree, the totality of the match suffered a little bit, but you got your story, you got your your cool moments for a video package, and then Logan Paul left to go see his brother. So the the, the, I think the best part was Corey Graves uh, playing up how Logan Paul's fiance was ringside and uh, or was in the front row. And then the way that he was looking at Samantha Irwin, he was like, yeah, he may leave with two fiancés tonight. It was a great little throwaway line from Corey Graves. I think he's he's doing really good work uh, when he's on commentary and him and Cole are actually they play off each other pretty well. Well, now that Vince is getting spinal surgery, they're allowed to, you know, they're not afraid of their shadow anymore, I guess. Um, yeah, but it was, I mean, look, it was, it was a good match. You needed to have Logan get a win back. And, uh, you know, I mean, he kind of did this thing that the jungle boy should be doing where he kissed his fucking hot girlfriend in the front row, which I'm like, why aren't they having jungle boy do that? It's like, they, it's, it's, it's the easiest fix in the world. Cause Tony Khan thinks it's yucky to kiss girls. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on folks. Next we have surprising second match. Uh, one of our main events, Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Match went 17 minutes, 35 seconds. Uh, this was um, kind of like a test of, of of endurance for Cody. This whole match, the story, the story I actually liked kind of better than the match, which was 
you know, Brock just destroying Cody on the outside, then Cody, you know, getting into the ring just at the count of 10 and saving himself. Um, but it seems like this feud's over. Cody won with three, three, um, what's it called? Crossroads. Crossroads. And then afterwards, Brock, surprisingly, which they said wasn't scripted, who knows? Uh, he took his gloves off, shook Cody's hand, and uh, raised his hand for uh, for the entire audience to see. And, and Brock left, which I suppose this means that his next feud will be him as a babyface and the other guy as a heel, which I, I'm excited to get back to. And you have Cody as the clear uh, heir apparent, the uh, number one contender for Roman's Universal Championship after slaying the beast. What did you think of this, Scott? It was nice. I did. I really liked the 10 count build. Cody does a great job of uh, building momentum in a match, making you give a shit. And Brock, I'm always going to love a Brock match uh, for the moments where he doesn't care how the guy's going to land. He's got a lot of those moments where it's like, you figure it out, and he'll just let a guy fly through the air. <laughs> There's like maybe two or three moments like that that I thought were awesome. And the hug was very sweet and cute. And I think part of it was Brock realizing, holy shit, we went second. We got a whole night of hanging out ahead of us where I don't have to work. <laughs> but I, think- I love this. And, and, you know, having this as the second match and having the Ricochet Logan Paul as the first match, uh, it was such such a fun start to the show. I didn't know later that it would affect my viewing of the show. Because I think these are maybe like two of my my biggest moments of the show and they happen in the first 40 or so minutes you know robert where were you on this match yeah no so first i think scott's 100 right i think the fact that these were the first two matches in some ways kind of burnt out the crowd a little bit because with the ricochet logan paul match you had a bunch of holy shit dive moments you had the shitty heel winning where they were, you know, angry and booing. Then you had this Cody Brock match because Brock ain't staying for a fucking four hour pay-per-view. Uh, if he's like, if I'm not first, I'm second and get me the fuck out of there. There's no way they were hanging out later, Scott. He was on a dog train back to, you know, Minnesota or Canada or wherever the fuck. I he heard is. he's advertised for payback, which I'm like, I cannot see him. No, I, I've. I've According to your your gentleman friend Dave Meltzer, he's not coming back till Mania, so we'll we'll see. Uh, I like this match a lot more than I thought. The first two of their matches were fine. Uh, this one had some some great moments to it. Uh, I think uh, the the like Michael Cole screaming like "Stay down, Cody!" It's hacky, but it was good. Uh, the finish worked. And then, yeah, Brock's post-match impromptu or whatever, it's because he probably just beat the fuck out of Cody. And Cody was like, thank you, sir. I appreciate what you're doing for the art. And I think that's what works for Brock. It's like, if I can punch you a lot and you're not going to complain about it and you're going to make the match better, I'll give you your your moment of respect. Uh, I thought it was a, it was a great ending of this feud. Uh, it made Cody more than he was before and uh the audience absolutely fucking loved it all right la knight wins our 25 man slim jim summer slam battle royale yeah uh he was able to uh pull off a top rope move he botched on smackdown against sheamus uh the match itself was a battle royal 
Um, I could only remember a couple battle royals I fucking love, so um, it was fine. It was there. There was a really weird choice to have, like, I guess they haven't given up on Omos yet because, you know, they made that a big deal. At the beginning of the match, they had MVP come out and, and talk about how invincible Omos was, and then he lost the same way we all thought he was going to lose, which, you know, a bunch of people were going to band together, and LA Knight was going to help help knock him out. Um, I don't get LA Knight. I don't understand it. But look, at least WWE is giving the audience what it wants on this. And they want LA Knight to be the guy, at least for now, or at least try him out in that guy position. But uh, yeah, gave people what they want. Uh, I do think it, it, you know, it, it attributes to what Scott's thought of like, well, later in the night, there doesn't seem like there was as much meat on the bone because you gave you know, you give people the Cody win, you give people the spot fest, and you give an LA night win right up top. It's like, where do we go from here? Scott, what do you think of this match? Uh, I I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, I, I understand what you're saying about LA night. I don't pay attention um, as much to him as you guys. And so all I do see him is at a glance, and it is a little weird, not just the fact that he kind of sounds like The Rock and kind of walks like Steve Austin, uh, but he dresses like a creative wrestler too. You know, th- these aren't like, this isn't a way anybody dresses. Um, but that being said, I always liked him in NWA. What was his name in, in NWA? Eli Drake. Man, he was good. He's a, he's a good wrestler. And to, to see how long he's been doing this and to see him in these little like commercials and this and that and, you know, workout videos with Triple H from 2015 or whatever. It It is cool. The story tells itself. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you are right. I didn't even realize that this could have been a, a piece of the crowd burnout, is that you gave them this guy having a victory, and they love him. I also thought Omos looked awesome in this match. I mean, I, I do think physically he's, he like, cut down, so he's ripped. He is truly... Omos- yeah, I mean, he's truly a physical specimen, more so than he ever has been. He is more giant than any giant I've seen in wrestling. He makes the big guys look like Rey Mysterio. He's just, he, dude, he's not deformed. That's why people don't give a shit. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's because he doesn't have a, have a head that's going to kill him at 37. Yeah, he doesn't have giant silver head. He just has, like, a normal head. He just looks like a fucking... Yeah. He just looks like, you know, I mean, he looks in some ways because his head's bigger than Shaq's, he looks smaller than Shaq, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, wait till people start admitting that uh, Andre the Giant was six foot seven. He just looked like the hunchback of Notre Dame. That's why people, yeah, it, it, it had nothing really. To, I mean, it did have something to do with how tall Andre was, but it's, it's, it's because of the hands and Omos gets out there and you're like, oh, this guy isn't going to die in the next three years. Why am I watching this? what yeah robert what he is uh he's special i really think taker might have been right yikes taker's right about a lot of things bro whoa 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 i'll just leave that there robert what do you think of this match Breaking news, Omos passed away while we were recording this, so I'm joking. Uh, First of all, Omos, I think Omos is going to do well. Omos. Omos is going to do well as a babyface because 
he there is kind of a weird sweetness to him if you've ever seen any of his social media posts and he likes to draw anime and all this other nonsense like it's fine like they, they compare him with riddle and they can be bromos and it'll be fine like he's not going to be a top tier heel that he's just a guy you can put in this battle royal spot and you'll always find space for him more than you would have for you know shanky when that was a thing uh LA Knight is is Fandango without the skill. Um, the audience is just sort of we we're we're all in on this joke, uh, and we're just gonna have to play it out uh, and pretend that we care that LA Knight's a star. He's not. Miz ate his lunch on Raw. I heard he, uh, I heard that was a good segment. I didn't see it. Miz was great in that segment. Miz was like, "You're an Attitude Era cosplayer." Uh, I've seen dozens of guys like you come and go. I've been here for a long time. Uh, you're playing wrestler. This crowd's going to see through you. Uh, and all LA Knight did after was like, he stumbled through his catchphrases and was like, Miz, you're safe. I'm the guy who tells people, you know, whatever. Like, he's trying to be Steve Austin, but he's not. Uh, the shelf life on this is going to be very, very small uh, for, for him. He, he's like, the, it's the Bart Simpson, I didn't do it, boy, of wrestling. Uh, the battle royal was fine, and it was nice. You have to admit, just, though, this is the most somebody has gotten behind a guy since Daniel Bryan, though, like the uh, audience, WWE, but, which makes it even more bizarre because, like, Daniel Bryan deserved it for being a a phenomenal wrestler who had a good personality and was just being shoehorned into bad roles by Vince. L.A. Knight doesn't really have that he's a decent at best wrestler who's doing kind of hacky promos and the audience is just like yeah we love this this is fucking fantastic uh give it a give it a couple weeks and they'll be they'll be sick of la night when they actually start pushing him in earnest and you know to robert's point um when guys that talk like him on the microphone do go toe-to-toe with anybody who talks normal on a microphone it's a problem. And we saw that when the rock came back and he was doing promos with CM Punk, who is like a more evolved promo. He talks like a person. He's not doing catchphrases and you do look like a buffoon. So I believe that Miz made him look stupid because if you're dependent on catchphrases and moments of, of gesture, you could get buried if the guy wants to bury you. Yeah. So, you know what, they'll give the audience what they want for a little bit and eventually Someone somewhere politically backstage will find a way to cut this guy's water off. Oh no. Well, now that Hunter's actually not wrestling anymore, I don't know who it's gonna be. Um, all right. Next up, we uh have our fourth match. This for me was like the biggest missed opportunity match of the night. Uh Gunther versus uh Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental Championship. I had predicted that uh that that drew was gonna win yeah, i thought the next match was ronda shana oh i'm sorry i did skip uh maybe your your, your fantasy booking how I'm you wish this would have gone uh all right next up shana versus ronda rousley ronda rousley in an mma rules match where shana went over she uh she put ronda to sleep seven minutes and 30 seconds this is kind of universally panned i i did not like this match as Robert would say, it was neither fish nor foul. The only and, and the thing I think that was craziest about this match is 
these girls beat the fuck out of each other. Like if you saw Shayna the next night on Raw, I saw like photos of her like eye puffed up. Like they really they hit each other like they were in a fucking New Japan match or something. But you know what? When something like that happens, you feel so terrible for the performers. It's like, well, you guys busted your ass and it's still fucking bombed, uh, and no one cared. It seemed like no one cared about this match. It, it seemed like it did not. I mean, this was the first time someone has definitively beaten Ronda, right? Like definitively. I mean, I guess Charlotte did, but it was still in a heelish way. And it just felt like it meant fucking nothing. It feels like Ronda's gone. It felt like Ronda has been gone ever since she came back, you know, a year and a half ago. Scott, am I being too hard here? Well, Ronda has this thing going for the last year or two where every moment she's out there feels like uh, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg at uh, WrestleMania 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great point. (laughs) Where it's like, you don't want to be here, do you? You talk a lot of shit about us, about this. Um, we are unsure if, if you're going to stick around, what your intentions are. And then another unfortunate thing with someone like Rhonda is uh, she is such a, a machine at actually fighting. Now, you know, you look back and there's obviously uh, much greater fighters than her. Uh, oh, yeah, she can't compete. She, yeah. Sure, sure. But because she is such a uh, a robot at, at fighting, uh, she's not a lot of fun to watch fight or a lot of fun to watch get in the zone. Like the thing about pro wrestling is people get to act like the zone is uh, something like Conor McGregor does, where in actuality, a lot of really quiet people know how to beat ass. <laughs> and she's one of them. She's not a great promo. She's not great at expressions. And so this really tanked. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't say that any better, Robert. This was unfortunate because it sounds like they were having uh, differences with creative over how this match was going to work. We watched, you know, we watched SummerSlam 98. We watched that Lions Den match, the Ken Shamrock Owen Hart match, and we forgot, all of us collectively, how good that was. It was in a cage it was a worked fight, but it looked different. It felt different. It was a hell of a lot of fun. They did a similar match with Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. So WWE knows how to do it. You put them in a wrestling ring where you literally watch the Logan Paul ricochet match where they do like 35 springboards through tables and they get right back up. And here she throws one kick and you're selling it like it's grim death. Cause you're like, everything else is fake, but this right here is real the audience didn't bite on it at all. Uh, what's unfortunate is, yes, they really were throwing live rounds. We talked about it on the preview show. Because they're friends, they're going to do that. And I remember when Foley had his match with Flair, and they were throwing real punches at each other to really kind of like sell the drama. But Mick even wrote in his book where he's like, the real punches don't look as good on camera as fake punches. It, there's an authentic, there's an authenticity to it. Your face is going to swell up, but it doesn't look as cool as like a cinematic movie punch. That's kind of what you got here. And I think this more than anything derailed the crowd for the majority of the rest of the night. Like it was uncomfortable. Like Shayna Baszler put 59,000 people to sleep. Uh, and it sucks because she's really good. She was good on raw after they're giving her some motivation. She's a cool character. This was just a, a, a real misfire. 
They're in a weird spot where their biggest person in the women's division is Rhea, but it, it, she's huge because of her relationship with Dom. It really doesn't have to do anything with what she's doing in the division, you know? Um, like she's dominant in the division. So there's, you know, like obviously there's that, but it feels like, um, you know, I'm not going to compare WWE's women's division to, to AEW, especially after this week, but um, it does feel like story-wise, you know, they're they're they don't have a ton going on they should have more going on story-wise than they do they, they should but I, with, with I, how I, good I, we, let me just finish with how good their talent is it's like the the reason that we like point out that AEW doesn't have great storylines is, is part in the women's division is partially because they don't have a lot of great women's talent so we can see through it but in the women's division in wwe it feels like they have much better talent but there's only like one or two storylines right now. And, and none of them are that, you know, and all of them are either like leaving like Trish and, you know, Becky, or they just kind of feel convoluted and let's just throw everybody at this one title. Cause they're good workers, Robert. No, they're, they're trying. I think with Rhea, it's kind of the Steve Austin thing of the hottest that Austin was, was not because of his wrestling or his in-ring workers. So it was just, there was an aura about him. It was the way that he carried himself in certain packages uh, and it's kind of how Rhea is like some of the best Rhea Ripley stuff does not involve her matches. And I think once she wrestles, some of the 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 air is going to be let out of the balloon a little bit. Uh, but I she does feel that, like a, she feels like a big match with Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, but her I'm I'm talking about the upcoming match with like Raquel Rodriguez. Not going to be a great match. Raquel is not a great work. Like, we'll get there. They're going to get there with Rhea and Becky. You have where to build. It's just you have to kind of finish the other stuff. Like Becky will not stop doing this Trish Stratus make a wish storyline. Um, and once that's done, I think we'll get something better. On SmackDown, they were trying with the uh, the Bianca Charlotte thing. I think they'll get there with a better story as it evolves. I do too. Uh, yeah. But you know, right now it's just kind of what it is. And they also had a bunch of injuries they didn't really anticipate, like losing Liv in the middle of that story. Um, and then them getting cut from some of the, the show to put this Ronda Shana match on there. All right. Well, another match for these guys just beat the shit out of each other. Uh, I had previewed it just now. Uh, Gunther versus Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental Championship. They went for 13 minutes, 40 seconds. Uh, Drew did get a Claymore kick on Gunther, but Gunther kicked out. And then Gunther did a big splash, powerbomb, one, two, three. I was I was kind of bummed out because the way this match was starting, I was really excited and I was like, oh, this is going to be match of the night. But they just they did not give it the time. This match needed to be, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And instead, they gave it 13 minutes. Um, I don't know what you do with Drew from here. I guess you turn him heel, but I don't know who you put him. Like You have him go after Seth. I think he's got to win that fucking title if you do or else. I mean, right now, right now, Drew is approaching, you know, Lex Luger post Lex Express sort of shit where, you know, the, the they're done with the push. And because of that, he's kind of all things to nobody. Um, I am pleasantly surprised they kept the title on Gunther. I thought it was going to be Drew just because, you know, I thought that that was honestly the promise they made to get him back in the company. But, um, uh, you know, maybe I'm a mark on that. and It was just money. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, the match itself was, you know, this was not compared to like Gunther versus Sheamus at Clash of the Cattle Castle, Gunther Drew and Sheamus at WrestleMania. I mean, it wasn't even near the same universe as like Gunther Ila Dragunov or uh, Gunther Pete Dunn. What did you think of this, Scott? 
so for some reason, uh, I knew SummerSlam was in Detroit. All summer, I knew that. Every time a match was advertised for SummerSlam, I knew it was going to be in Detroit. But every time this match was advertised and every time I saw it on paper, I thought it was happening in the UK. And my brain kept thinking, oh, yeah, SummerSlam in the UK. And so I was so hyped on this match every time I was reminded it would happen. Um, I thought maybe there... I still thought you can't have Drew win, which was blowing my mind again, me thinking this might be in the UK. Um, once I realized it wasn't in the UK and you knew what was going to happen, I think mentioning Honky Tonk's reign, everybody is mentioning it and how close Luther uh, is to breaking it. You know he's going to break it uh, because Honky Tonk Man talks too much shit. He's absolutely reckless and he really should have never held the title for that long anyway. It's funny because they're like, uh, they keep bringing that up. Good there. He's like, what's it going to be like breaking Honky Tonk's record? And he's like, well, I, I don't really think about it. It's like one of those things where, like, he doesn't want to say, like, I'm way better than the Honky Tonk man, but he, like, kind of yeah, says, you have to, I mean, you have to explain. Honky Tonk man sucked. You know, I remember as a kid hearing that he was the longest reigning champion and wrapping my head around, oh, at one time he was very good. No, he wasn't. No, he was never good. He was Hogan's friend. Yeah uh it, w- it was never good so it's like w- seeing it now where Gunther's about to win and i think like they're saying hockey tonks record but isn't that gonna like, kind of make him a baby face if he beats that he's kind of a baby face now right i mean there wasn't anyone fucking really rooting for Gunther to lose well he's like brock lesnar he uh he creates so much damage and he's so fun to watch you just want to watch it you just want to watch and go, whoa, oh, shit, what? And so in that sense, he is a face. He's like a ride at Six Flags, you know? Yeah, for sure. What do you think of this match, Robert? Yeah, he hit the nail on the head. It could have been longer, should have been longer. It was kind of like, it was just starting to kind of get that groove a little bit. Uh, this, I think we talked about at this beginning, you're like, we're just kind of, it's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches. Like this was a very good match that we're like, oh, this should have been a five-star match. And instead it was maybe three and a half stars uh, or, you know, three and three quarters of Ed McMahon was still alive. Um, what was baffling about this is it's kind of hindsight's 2020 on raw, like all the, all the, the, the signs were there for the Drew heel turn. They they needed somebody for Seth to face. They had that main event six man tag where they needed somebody to replace Sammy. And instead, it was Nakamura, which is fine. Nakamura, you know, as the heel for someone for Seth that for to, a while, right? They have, but it's it's kind of odd. Like it's clearly like a okay, he's a filler guy for a month for a payback show. The fact that Drew had nothing to do in that like wasn't on Raw. I thought this was his heel turn. It would have made perfect sense. The I'm jaded that I lost the night before. Now I'm coming after Seth and I'm a, you know, the big bad guy on raw would have been cool. Instead, we got this uh, on the plus side. You know, this would have been one of my bright sides was there was a four way match on raw. It was Ricochet, Riddle, Champa and Gable. That was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was a, it was, it blew away almost everything on SummerSlam um, and Gable wins. And I think, I, I honestly think now he's going to beat Gunther and deprive Gunther of the uh, the Honky Tonk Man record. And that'll give them all the you know fire to go and just kill Gable after. 
Uh, but Gable had that feel-good moment on Raw. He took his kid out from the crowd and like ran around the ring, and it was emotional. Well, they had to do that because he'd already lost to Gunther. So they he lost to Gunther, but they were you're you're in yeah. Minnesota. It's his hometown in Minneapolis. Like it just it worked. Um, I think that'll be the 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 story. Or you know, yes, uh, Gunther beating Honky Tonk Man record is a babyface thing, unless the reason he does it is by beating Gable in some nefarious way where he cheats. And it's like, well, fuck you. You didn't deserve this. But we'll see. Either way, yeah, Drew is it very much in Lex Luger territory. And even a potential heel turn, Nakamura just did it. So you're not going to do it with Drew. Very weird. Very weird decisions. Um, we next, next get probably my vote for match of the night. Uh, total, even though I thought the finish of the triple threat was really good. Seth versus Finn Balor, singles match for the World Heavyweight Championship. I think the problem with this match is it's like, you know, their first universal title match was marred by injury, but then they had, I don't know if you remember this guys, like he had some really great, they had some really great matches for the intercontinental title when Seth was making that his thing. And none of these world championship matches have come close to that, except for, you know, kind of the schmas at the end where we don't know, you know, who's going where I, I do think this was the best version of them in that main event picture. Um, I, I thought the, the finish was clever. Would I have given it to Finn? Maybe, but it does seem like, you know, the next night when they had, um, what's his, what, what's his face? Who's the Irish guy at JP McDonough or JD? Yeah. JD McDonough. JD McDonough. Like, it seems like that they're kind of creating some intrigue there. So that's good. They're not throwing it by the wayside. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good match. It's just, you know, what do you do with Finn now? And, you know, what do you do with this with this title? It definitely has not still felt like, you know, the primary title. Um, I don't know. Scott, what do you think of this match? Yeah, I think they had an opportunity to really steal the show, uh, and they didn't. I I can't blame either of them. It just didn't happen. I, I also think this was at the point in the show where people were getting tired um people are more interested in the Edom of it all even in the Damian Priest of it all and the Rhea Ripley of it all which I'm not even knocking that because it's fucking fun and it's great and that's actually part of the reason why I don't mind Balor losing so much even though I feel like Balor always loses and he deserves a break is because once you see that payback poster and it was you know all of Judgment Day uh, you go, oh, this is awesome. Everybody in Judgment Day hopefully gets a match. Hopefully there's um, heavy storylines involving him and uh, them and the Roses. And also Seth can't lose because you need to establish this title as something serious. Only problem is you haven't really done that yet because you need to have like a barn burner. You need, you need to have like, you know, I hate to say it, but you need to have like a New Japan style match for this belt. You need to have a, a Gunther style match for this belt. You need uh you need the guys to really be putting it out there when they when they have matches for this thing. And I, I didn't think this was bad. I thought it was a good match. I didn't think it was a great match. Yeah, no, and Scott, you're hundred percent right. And that's probably why they're going with Nakamura against Seth. Uh no one thinks right. Seth's going yeah. to lose it, but if Nakamura like goes out there and, and produces a new Japan style match with Seth, I think it's gonna be a blast. And I think Rollins basically said, like Hey, this is the dude I want to work with. Let's let's make this happen. Let's have that match. I thought this was a really fun match. I think, yes, the crowd 
early on, I had a note like they just seemed exhausted, uh, which is unfortunate. I don't I think that they never fully recover from that Shane Ronda match. Uh, and then the the Gunther match, which was fine. Uh, I like that Seth came out in the vest that he had worn the, the night that he injured Finn. That was a cool little touch. Uh, the finish was pure sports entertainment. The timing of the of the briefcase and the way that they laid everything out was was great. I thought this was a really fun match for those guys. And yeah, the continuation of the story on Raw. I like that we're trying to tell long term storylines here. Uh, I like that the crowd is generally invested in what's going on with Judgment Day. And yeah, that payback poster looks awesome. Next up. Bianca Belair versus Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. Uh, the end was very creative. Uh, Bianca gets a small package on on Asuka while she's in uh, the figure eight. Uh, nobody saw it coming. And then afterwards, this sets up a Money uh, in the Bank cash in EO Sky. Interesting they didn't give it to Charlotte on this because that would have just added to her reigns. But I guess they have done that before. They had they had Charlotte do that with, um, with Bailey. Um, but EO uses uh, a suitcase to beat Bianca's ass. People are cheering the whole fucking time. You know, she does her uh, she does her moonsault or whatever the fuck it's called and uh, is our new SmackDown Women's Champion. I was, uh, it was exciting. It definitely, I mean, it definitely felt like this was, you know, they were, this was like, all right, you guys are going to get something special. We have to make sure that this crowd gets something special because it is SummerSlam. And, uh, you know, we have LA Knight, but let's also, you know, pull the trigger on Io Shirai. So, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Io Sky. Uh, Io Sky wins, and, uh, you know, there's a bunch of interesting options after this happens. Uh, what do you think of this, Robert? The match was not good. Um, the, the, the ending the, was really good. The ending was creative. The women, it's like, it, I, I don't know if they all got, like, covid and had tryptophan in their blood at the same time but like charlotte just looked blown up pretty early on in this uh there was that extra long like bianca being injured spot which it, it just kind of dragged a little bit like it's just there was a lot of sloppiness in this match i was really surprised about that given how talented they are just Charlotte Flair just seemed to step off where I would not be surprised. You find out like, Oh yeah, she was wrestling with 104 fever or something like that. Uh, EO cashing in after makes sense with the story they're telling with uh, Bianca and the street profits having turned heel and Lashley and building that little group. Bianca hasn't turned full heel yet. Right? No, but she will after this, this was the, I wanted to get my, my shot. They didn't give me a straight up one-on-one -on -one shot. They gave us this triple threat. I win while injured on one bad knee. And then EO cashes in on me. That's not fair. There's a conspiracy against me and the street profits can't catch a break and yada, yada, yada. And that's, what's going to probably be on SmackDown for the next several weeks. So you'll get a good storyline for it. Uh, also not to be Dan's fashionista here. Uh, Charlotte needs to tie her hair back. Uh, she was constantly like struggling with all the hair in her face and it was getting in the way of a lot of spots. And it was just, it was very uncomfortable to watch. Scotty. Uh, yeah, wasn't crazy about the match. Uh, I, I will always give the women's division the compliment that they all look like superheroes and act like superheroes. I think it's really cool. I think their outfits are awesome, stuff like that. 
uh, and the wrestling is, is usually great. And the wrestling was good in this. I mean, I thought there was at least some fun thought out sequences that just weren't executed well. Um, but I thought the EO Sky cash in was a lot of fun. It was a SummerSlam moment. And Dan's right. You needed one. You got it. And EO as champion is a lot of fun. So that's it. Well, next up, we have a tribal combat jump the shark match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso after betrayal by Jimmy Uso. Roman retains the spear through Chekhov's table, and we end the match. Uh, I think people had thought, or there was a rumor that Randy Orton was in Detroit, whether or not they were going to set that up. There was a rumor that The Rock and Grayson Wall were going to have a segment. Maybe The Rock was, and none of that happened. Instead, we get, you know, what in my mind will just not work. And I know both guys want to do it. I know both Jimmy and Jay, this is like a feud they've wanted to do. This isn't like, the signers or the Hardys, like you're forcing us to fight. And we don't want to fight. They do want to do this feud. Um, I just don't, you know, and people did fucking get pissed off at Jimmy. I think he's going to have a shitload of heat this Friday. I just don't know where you go with this. Once it's done, I, I think you kind of have to almost give Jimmy the win in those situations. That's why they usually book like the Owen winning. Cause you know, the guy that's more popular, he, they need to make the other guy look legitimate. Cause this match this can't just be one match. Um, it felt like the match itself just felt slow and prodding. It really did feel like, you know, I think there's been some great Roman matches. And I think that there's been some where he's kind of rested on his laurels and rested on his sports entertainment. I'm the guy persona. Um, you know, he hasn't been like that versus Logan Paul versus Cody versus Seth versus a lot of guys. But I, I did think that, this wasn't as close to the hell in a cell match they had uh to the uh the i quit match they had this wasn't even this wasn't even in that stratosphere um i i do think jay uso has proven himself to be a main event guy that didn't seem weird at all it just felt like this match did not have to be 36 minutes you could have made this match 20 minutes and it would have felt exactly the same if not better it probably would have been better we probably would all be praising this match if they made it 20 minutes and then you get a fucking eight minute you know trish and becky match on the card and everybody's happy and that 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 doesn't become the whole through line for the press conference um am i being too harsh on this scott no i think um i think we didn't get a great match and then we we got not just not a great match, which people were disappointed in, but the outcome was confusing. The match itself was confusing. The rules didn't apply. Two people cheated, even though no one's supposed to cheat. That's like the idea of tribal rules or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it dragged ass. They were calling spots and you go, you're cousins. I think a big thing about when family fights is you have this thing in your brain of like, oh, they've been play wrestling their whole lives. So it's going to be better than a typical match we get out of guys like this. And I think this is like both of these guys. Uh, this is not even, this isn't their best match they had this year or over the last few months. And so it's like all around. Uh, no, I mean, the, the match they had at Money in the Bank was better. The tag match was a lot That's better. That's what I'm saying. And so it's like, it's an error. And also um, having the Usos feud. I think a problem in that is this entire storyline, which has been going on for like, gosh, three years now, 
they've kind of been feuding. There's been tension and side eyes and pushing each other. And what are you doing? No, don't do that. So when one of them turns on each other, it's like, yeah, y'all been fucking shoving each other. This isn't, this doesn't feel new. This doesn't feel exciting. Uh, this isn't compelling. This is just dragging ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I, I don't understand why. I just don't think that they're going to get the stories they think they're going to get out of this. Um, I, I think that this needed to be, and I think people are freaking out too, you know, because Paul Heyman said that line about how they're at the bottom of the third and we're like, oh, fuck. Can we really, like, we all like this storyline, but it's it's kind of starting to feel like when they kept going back to the Vince's evil well, where it's like, yeah, man, just give us something that we like now. It's fine that, you know, give us, Give us Roman versus fucking LA Knight or something like different just for a couple months. Cause like I, I don't... what they need to do. They need to they need to stick to the SmackDown segment. And then every time they have to have a match, uh they put uh Osprey and Omega in wigs. <laughs> and then you'll get do. what you pretend you're getting, which is uh which is compelling television. Yeah. You know, it's a shame that Kenny's got to do promos and they've got to wrestle. I know, right? Oh, dude, the box FTR and then the music kicks. You go, that's how you do it. (laughs) Dude, I mean, there was, I mean, we'll get to it on. I I think that was one of the worst episodes of Dynamite I've ever seen. But really, yikes. Kenny backstage, I mean, it was like a piece of loose leaf paper walking there. Dude, and what's what's his name? Come on. Oh, Alex Morvez. Alex, if you would have told me, if, if you would tell if you could tell me, and we'll get to it on dynamite, if you would have told me that they just Alex Marvez is a fan and they told him, hey, you're gonna be a commentator like two minutes before this, I would believe it. And I I would still kind of be like, ah, I think you guys could have done better. Cause Yeah, and it's like when you give like a little kid like a line as like a paper boy in a play or something. It's yes. fucking awful. It's it was horrendous. It was one of the worst yeah, things, I've yeah. seen, you know. Yeah, bad, bad, um, bad. very bad. Ugh. Robert, there's a moment, maybe thirty seconds in, music ends. They're staring each other down, and Jey Uso hears the crowd, and there's not this like groundswell for him. And I think it's at that moment you can like pinpoint it to the second where he realizes, oh, we're fucked. Um, he thought that he was going to be the conquering hero going into this the way this was booked. And this is why I said at the beginning, if the crowd was white hot for Jey Uso for this match, we would feel a little bit differently about this. They were indifferent to him, which is odd because he was booked really strong going into this match. Um, there was that desperation moment where he reached down to grab a table just to get a table pop. Uh, I know that there's the reports that Roman was injured pretty early into this, so that may have dragged this down a little bit. Um, I'm sorry that I was right last week and said the finish of this match was going to be Jimmy turning on his brother. Uh, I put my creative hat on. I'm like, what is the only way they're going to be able to continue this storyline knowing that Roman ain't wrestling for a while and it's, we'll do Jimmy versus Jay. Um, It was in their mind, the only way to go. They went that way. We'll see if they pull a rabbit out of a hat here. All I keep thinking is 
why the fuck did Cody not win the title at Mania? You could have done almost every element of this bloodline storyline, having it be for being the tribal chief or getting that weird chili pepper necklace. And then Cody going, you know, a triple, you know, whatever, a best of three against Brock Lesnar and then winning the title, retaining the title here would have meant a fucking hell of a lot more than anything else that was going on. Uh, This went way, way too long. Uh, Crowd was just, they were exhausted. They were tired. We'll see what happens next with the story. Uh, Jimmy and Jay, I'm sure will have a good match at, at payback. But this thing is just is getting to diminished returns. Hopefully they they pick it back up and we get to, I don't know, I guess Cody Roman 2 for Survivor Series, Rumble, Mania. I don't fucking know. Uh, But yeah, that that Jey Uso situation was not what they were expecting. And they kind of panicked a little bit. Do you know if there's a segment planned for SmackDown involved? There is. It's Jim, it's uh, it's supposed to be Jimmy Uso uh, acknowledging Roman Reigns. Mm, interesting. Okay. 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 You know what it is? It's like, and I might have texted this to you guys, but at this point, you don't even want The Rock to come out. You you want Rikishi to come out. Yeah. And so it's like, I mean, which is a compliment. I mean, holy shit, the fact that you you genuinely want Rikishi to get involved because it makes more sense. He's their, he's their father. Um, but so many moments that they could have had uh, have passed. And, you know, that happens. This is wrestling. There's injuries. There's having to accommodate for new stars and different guys showing up. And when this shit started, I mean, was Cody even signed with them, you know, when, when no, right. When Reigns, no, he's been champ forever. No, so, no. Um, things change. And, I, you know, I, I think that is an unfortunate thing with pro wrestling is it's not like a movie where you go, okay, here's the ending. And you get to sit there and write a great book. You have to write this never ending tale that uh, takes a bunch of dives because uh, The Rock is trying to make Black Adam work. Yeah, he's got to let that go, man. Almost every fucking article. I think he did. I, th- I think he did, right? He's over it. He's still pissed off. <laughs> it's like your fucking movie bombed, man. Go back to wrestling. Know your role, Rock. Yeah, right. shut your mouth. So how many flaming bowling pins would you give this, Scotty? Oh, gee. 2.75? I'll go, I'll go higher than that. I'll go, uh, I'll go 3.25. Robert? Robert, we can't hear you. I'm sorry, I'm on mute talking to myself. That's fantastic. Uh, Logan Paul, Ricochet, Brock Cody, uh, Drew Gunther, Finn Seth, all very good matches. Uh, yes, Ronda Shana sucked. The Slim Jim Battle Royal, whatever. And the main event went way too long. And the women's match was kind of neither fish nor foul, as apparently I say a lot. Uh, I'll go I'll go three and a half. I, I think there's a lot of good stuff on here when people go back and watch it. And maybe when we have more hindsight on it, people enjoy this a little more. I think that could be true, for sure. All right. No, sorry, folks. That, that was a great lead into Dynamite. Dynamite are done. Take it away, Robert. Sure. 
All right. The the best episode of Dynamite we've seen all week. We get uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society uh, has their meeting uh, where they call out Chris Jericho. And one by one, everybody quits on Jericho. Uh, then in the back, we got Jericho Don Callis segment where Jericho says, uh, hey, next week, uh, I will have the decision for you, Don Callis, as to whether or not I'm joining your family because we are all enraptured by this fucking passionate storyline. So great. I was like, just let us know now, man. Like nobody cares. Uh, then we get the. What, Bucks. Do, what do you guys think the outcome? Oh, never mind. Keep going. We'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, the Bucks versus the Hardys uh, in a uh, Tony Khan play with his action figures match. Then after the Bucks say FTR, FTR magically appear. Uh, we get MJF and Adam Cole at a trampoline park where Max is murdering kids with a dodgeball. Uh, the Blackpool Combat Club uh, kind of promo. We get uh, Jack Perry versus Rob Van Dam for the FTW title. Uh, and then the Lucha Bros uh, talk about how they uh, had made thrown out a challenge to the winner of the parking lot brawl. And they're going to get revenge for Pac because Death Triangle apparently still a thing. That was our one. Scott. Hey, look, okay. The Jericho Appreciation Society thing was pretty, pretty awful. Uh, and then the problem is, is you want it to be done, you know? Uh, <laughs> so now you, you, you're just watching this thing, like, not get sh quite shot in the head. And there was that relief of it does feel kind of done. Uh, but then, you know, Jericho saying, I'll give you your answer next week, Don. And us having to worry where this is going to go because Jericho hasn't really knocked it out of the park. So I'm in this situation right now where I can look at segments and moments uh, in AEW and go, ah, that's not that great. Right. But I'm so hyped on this, on all in, I am genuinely excited for every match that they're going to announce. Even if it's not my the dream match I would want, I think they're all going to end up being great matches, but I just sit and go like, how is Jericho going to fuck this up? And, and that's what I'm dealing with now where I go, like, is he, what I think is going to happen is Jericho is going to say no to Don next week. Right. And then we're getting like sad, defeated Jericho where no one has his back fighting. I'm guessing Osprey since he turns his back on Don, Don's going to send Osprey on him. Right. But did he really turn now, his back on Don? Well, it's, who did i mean jericho if jericho says no to don don's gonna have someone attack jericho no i'm, I'm sorry I, I i guess what i'm wondering is are osprey and don together well uh, so so osprey owes don because osprey won the u.s title in a way thanks to don right don was there don got those guys security handed mm. him the screwdriver or whatever all that all that good shit whatever the fuck happened in the match so he owes him a favor. Another cool thing about this, though, and I hope Jericho acknowledges it, is Osprey's going to be the face, dude. You're in the fucking UK. Like, dude, people are going to be going apeshit for Osprey. So I think that's also part of it, of like, Jericho, people are going to be cheering for you to get beheaded by this guy. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's been forever later. since Jericho's been there, right? And he's kind of like Sting in the sense that they may but just... It's Osprey, man. It's Osprey. I don't know. I don't think everyone's going to be cheering for him to hit him with the hidden blade. I think it could be like fucking Hogan Rock, where we think it's going to be Osprey, but it, it ends up being Jericho. 
Uh, these people well, haven't had Jericho. We'll find out. And, and that is one thing I can say about these segments is they they keep me guessing. But it's like guessing what a, a match for uh, for a pay per view. Of course, I'm going to be guessing that. So it's just a little frustrating, and I understand that. Um, other than that, this hour had Jungle Boy RVD, which I gotta say, uh, RVD though a little slower can still do those fucking spins and can still do those kicks. And in terms of, I don't know, man, I really enjoyed this match. I liked how Jack Perry was just dressed like Jerry Lynn. I hope he continues wearing that gear. He looked good in it. Um, yeah, I, thought, I like this match. I, uh, this, this is like over-delivered. Yeah, I thought RVD, again, like I said, there's obviously moments where it's like, oh, he's a little blown out and stuff. But damn, did he look good. And, and it's another thing where you watch this match. I thought the ending was perfect. Like, perfect. The way he literally, R, they preserved RVD so well. He, he, he got his head, ran into a chair, a low blow, and uh, Jack Perry was holding the, the trunks for the pin. So RVD is, like, completely safe in this. And then what I hope we get at Wembley is, you know, obviously Jack Perry versus Hook, but since it's uh, FTW rules, we can get some ECW interference where RVD gets to do a frog splash. Uh, someone else gets to do a move, and hopefully Tommy Dreamer doesn't come out. <laughs> but, but that FTW match, you know, you, you get the, this moment of, I think ECW's value is you know what wwe learned you know after failing at realizing you can't just have it as its own thing is you know you need 10 of the guys to run out and do the thing they were good at you know sandman hit a guy with a kendo stick sabu throw a chair at a guy and uh, someone die of an overdose it's uh, <laughs> i think you just spoke that tommy dreamer thing in existence and i kind of hate you for it yeah but that's what that match needs, right? At Wembley, you need Rob Van Dam at Wembley. If, if he was just here, he looks great. Maybe. If he doesn't get arrested on the plane. <laughs> Dan, what did you think of this first hour? But anyway, no, I love no, this so. first hour. I mean, what else was, what else was in the first hour? Um, Bucks Hardys. Bucks Hardys, look, it's not the best Bucks Hardys match I saw, but it was fun. I thought the Hardys uh, really busted their ass. Uh, and the Bucks are great. They're calling out the FTR thing. Uh, yeah, this match needs to happen at Wembley. I think this also might happen. Uh, did you notice there's a trios match on side? Because like, we keep going, oh, they're obviously going to keep Punk away from all of this because we all want the confrontation. Right. And it's not happening, and so Punk is going to stay away. But FTR and Punk are fighting for the trios titles on Saturday. So there's part of you that goes, I don't think they're going to win on Saturday, but there is part of me that thinks Kenny might fight Punk at All In a week after Wembley. I mean, why would at All Out in I, Chicago? Why would you not start making that your story then? Because they can't have promos. All they can do now is pop ratings anyway. There's no such thing as like a consistent. Uh, they cannot have a consistent storyline. All they can have is a match. And the truth is, the real storyline is between what? Fucking um, like Nick Jackson and CM Punk? It's not even between Kenny and CM Punk. 
It's not even. Dude, you need, you need to mayor. fill. You need to fill your TV with stories, dude. I mean, like. So, but so this is what it is. So, but this is so, and then you get the, the real feud is the trios feud, is is a match where they are all brawling, yeah. and that's why you 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 get the Kenny and Punk match at all out in Chicago, and then you build the trios feud after that. Yeah, but you you kind of need some. But I think I think the first I I think what we get at the end of uh, I think Omega and Takeshita happens earlier in the show. I think Punk and Bucks might close the fucking show. And I mean not Punk Bucks, sorry Bucks FTR. I think Punk runs out during that match, and you get Omega and Punk staring each other down um, in front of eighty thousand people, and then you get that match a week later, and all of a sudden, woo, we're on fire. I don't know, man, but aren't you wasting like what could be precious TV time? I mean, Collision's numbers. No, because they're bad at it. They're only good at wrestling matches. They're bad at TV time. Well, then you need Punk. You need Punk to cut a promo then, dude. It's the last thing you can do. Dude, he, but I know, but what is his promo going to be? He's wrong. The truth is he's wrong. The the truth is we've looked at it and he lied about everything. We act like he didn't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did he lie about? Is the Bucks came in and he started throwing punches. That's the promo. The pro look, look back at the hangman thing, hangman shooting on him. It's not real. He had his britches in a fucking he had his uh sand in his vagina. Eddie Kingston said the same shit on TV. Guys who MJF said the same shit on TV. He had sand in his pussy and he had beef with hangman for no actual reason. And if he starts feuding with them, all they have to do is bring that up. Well, this is about Colt. I mean, it was, which they really can't bring him into it, but I don't know about that, man. I feel like, you know, Punk at least wants to do business. These guys haven't wanted to do business. You know, like, I can't get annoyed at, like, you know, like, a guy's having a fight backstage when there's so many other horrible shit that goes on in wrestling. You know, it's like, of course, that's what's supposed to be happening. You know, like, these guys are all, like, these guys all have outsized egos. They all are supposed to fight, and then they're supposed to kind of take that heat and bring it to the ring so like if anyone is the most guilty i I don't even know about the particulars before this but it's it's the bucks and fucking kenny and and hangman because they really they also really think well they also really think that they that like like whatever story they tell after they just bombed this blackpool thing even though i like the hangman moxley match they bombed at that story the story didn't really get any oh yeah absolutely so it's like they, they they just think that like oh we don't need to do that we can work with other guys and it's like bro you're not at that there's there's only so many people there's only so many stories wrestling gives a shit about make this fucking work and if if I'm if, if my company is is getting its ass kicked in the ratings every week and you have a show like Collision with your big star CM Punk on it why the fuck aren't you using that to propel more weeks of stories but I mean would that would that be huge yeah. Chicago yeah it would be huge. Well, I, I mean, you know, and also, you know, that the uh, the dynamite before all in, it's dynamite and collision are filming back to back. So you're going to get the bucks on collision if you don't get them this weekend. So this shit is happening. Uh, they all resigned. They're all doing business. It is happening. It's just a matter of when. I think it's sooner than we think without much build, which is a little weird and unfortunate. But I do think it's happening. And I think it's happening in September. Well, as far as my review of the rest of this, I mean, I don't think we really can blow past just how bad this Jericho Appreciation Society segment was. Um, Not not at all. 
I mean, I, I really think we need to like t- Ty Mello uh, was horrendous in it. Um, you know, as far as Jake Hager, I don't know what the fuck that guy's going to do now. You know, I thought he would be like the one holdover because he was just, but I don't, I don't know what that guy does. Just stare at a wall. But if, if they're not doing anything with Wardlow, what the fuck are they going to do with, with Jake Hager? Uh, I did be great like on the, ring of honor. I, <laughs> I did love Danny Garcia's little dance. I, knew, I literally in my notes, that was I, the only fun. note I had was Dan will like Danny Garcia's dance. Yeah, that's about it. Um, Parker did this thing about has there's nothing left to give Jericho. And then Matt Menard, who usually is a good promo, says, like, maybe those guys were right. You know, when he's talking about Kevin Steen and and Eddie Kingston. But we kind of know that all those guys get along backstage. So, and you're doing like then a real so it was just weird, man. That was and also it's like, don't bring up fucking Kevin Steen. You guys aren't going to sign him anytime soon. Don't bring you may sign him in a couple of years, but you're not going to sign him right now. So what are we doing bringing this guy up? Uh, yeah, I thought the match, it's, I mean, I just thought the segment was kind of a fucking bomb. And I think that like, it, it's a little delusional watching Jericho be like, Hey, let's have, we're going to, we're going to come to the conclusion of this next week when like literally nothing you've done in the past couple months has been compelling tel- television, bro. And the Sammy stuff was super confusing because they tried to get him over as a baby face. And then they kind of like shit on the, when he's like, well, maybe we'll still hang out. So, like, he did, like, the most heelish thing that you could do in that segment. And that's the one match that seems kind of interesting is, is Jericho and Sammy. And they, they kind of took the flair out of it. Really bad. A really bad opening. It was, like, bad attitude era shit. It's Tony thinking he's telling long-term storylines, which is why, to Scott's point, let him just stick to booking matches that make sense on paper. Uh, you don't. Like the Jericho Appreciation Society are heels. They're also shitty heels. Like they're cowardly and evil and irredeemable heels. We don't care that they're breaking up. We don't feel bad for them. Like that's the root of wrestling. When you're a heel, you're not a person. And anything bad that happens to the audience is happy about. So I don't want to see them infighting and be emotional about, you know, whatever uh daddy magic being upset that he was unemployed while his wife was pregnant don't humanize them they're all supposed to be shitty people uh the mjf cole video package i hate it that this is what you're doing with your world champion the way they did it though was very amusing like the fact that adam cole is just like this goofy fucking loser who's all excited to go to a trampoline park and then max is out there just killing kids is a fun mid-card storyline to be like when Max goes to Stanford in January, look, guys, I can do comedy. Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, Rob Van Dam did his spots. They were happy. It's weird hearing Shivani speak positively about ECW. Like, that's just that my brain can't really wrap my head around that. Like, those two things do not go together. Um, stop referencing ECW, guys. Like, we get it. It was a thing. WWE owns it. You're just reminding people of the other company. Uh, well, so the, and it's the, just, the biggest babyface reaction of the night was MJF calling out Roderick Strong, right? Well, we're going to get that's that. So to start hour two. Oh, okay. So hour two opens with uh, MJF and Adam Cole coming out and MJF showing that he is the best babyface in all of professional wrestling. The uh, the joke about uh, Adam Cole being so thin and white that Hogan would have snorted him in the 80s. 
the the fact that they're going for the Ring of Honor tag titles and Max has to pretend to care, and then ripping on Roderick Strong for being a loser who listens to Taylor Swift. Uh, the Lucha Bros fought Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. Afterwards, they ripped off uh, Penta's mask and Claudio put it on. Uh, Kenny Omega cut a promo that we talked about before that was like for like a PlayStation 2 video game cut would have been awkward and robotic for real human beings doing this on TV was fucking baffling. Uh, what was also baffling was the Mogul Embassy came out. Oh, uh, my and, God, dude. And they all got murdered by Sting. Uh, and then in your main event, like, I'm sorry, Charlotte. Uh, I'm sorry, Bianca. I'm sorry, Asuka. You guys are fucking writing Shakespeare compared to Sheeta versus Anna Jay in the main event of Dynamite. Scott, why was this the most dope hour of TV ever? Well, this is this is the Lou Fisto supporters' fault, guys. They had to rearrange the last hour to make a women's main event when it's only possible for AEW to have a women's main event uh, once every six months. Wait, no, that probably doesn't happen, right? Um, once every three yeah, years. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was I, I thought that women's main event was obviously um, a response to the idea that the women's division is uh, not doing great, right? Over the last weeks, we haven't talked about it too much on the pod, but the Lufisto stuff, which, I mean, look, I'm sure some women aren't having a great time there. I haven't seen Thunder Rosa make many comments, right? And so I'm assuming... Uh, until I hear something from her, I, I I think people do have beef with her, and I do not know where that stems from. It does seem unjustified, right? It does uh, seem clicky, but I don't know. I'm not there. Uh, anyway, yeah, I didn't like the women's main event. I will say this. I do like that it's a four-way at, at all in. I do like that um, that it's obvious. I, I don't like this, actually. I don't like that the tournament leading up to it is obvious who's going to win. But I do like the four-way. Like, it is – well, it's going to be a Soraya versus Britt Baker versus Tony Storm versus Sheeta. Like, that's obvious, despite what the tournament wants you to think, right? Um, that's a good four-way match. Uh, the first All-In had a four-way. Now you're sitting going, oh. Why not just know, make that the story? Why not do – why have the fucking tournament? Because Tony can't book without a tournament. Well, yeah, I know the tournament is annoying, but also you have to understand at, at the pay-per-view, which again, I think Tony is, you know, Robert said, you know, on paper, he's great at booking matches. Well, I think it goes beyond on paper because they have the best pay-per-views. Every year, AEW, since they've been around, has had the, it's like, oh, their pay-per-views are better because their matches are top-notch. And um, I think what this match is going to give you, the four-way, is you also get all the different factions because they're all in different groups of girls. So you're going to get a lot of run-ins. I think this pay-per-view, because Tony's going to want to get a lot of people on it in front of that crowd, you're going to get a lot of run-ins, um, unfortunately. Now, because of uh, that we're going to have this four-way, I want to know what's going on with the TBS title. I hope Willow is on the show. And also, if we're going to do ROH tag titles, which I love, I want your guys' opinion on that. I do love that they're in a tag match against Ozzy Open. Uh, on zero hour because Ozzy opens awesome. Everybody's been loving MJF and Cole as a tag team. And you get eyes on the YouTube show. You get eyes on seeing how big the spectacle is and then maybe people buy it. But uh, I hope Athena's on the show. If you got the ROH tag titles on the show, 
I think the best women's wrestler in the world right now might be Athena. Well, yeah. in, in the U.S. right now, it's definitely Athena. And so you got to have her on that show, especially if you're going to rep Ring of Honor in so many other ways. I agree. I, honestly, I would rather have just done Adam Cole and MJF versus Aussie Open at the pay-per-view and save the title match for uh, the Chicago pay-per-view. Interesting. I, I, I might have not minded that. Yeah, you're right. I, don't, you're I also right. don't like that you're because you're giving away the MJF and Cole pop for that crowd. Like the first time they see Max, the first time they see Cole should be full stadium. Everyone's electric. They hear that MJF music and they roar. They hear Cole's music and they all do the Adam Cole baby. That's what you want. You don't want to do it twice because the dark, the, the pre-show, no matter how hyped people are, you still got people walking in. They're not all settled. You're going to get like a half an audience at best. And it's kind of diminished returns. I don't, I just, I, that, that part of it, I don't love. I love the idea of those guys going after the ring of honor tag titles. It's just weird, man. It's like, we're used to seeing like, cause you, you know, we would watch a, you know, really anytime in WWE the last 30 years. And we would watch a segment and be like, Oh, this is for Vince. You know, like this is definitely, no one else gives a shit about it. And now we're just starting to see this. This is for Tony stuff. You know, it's him, always been, this is for Tony. It's, it's just he knows what the internet likes show. for a while. It's just yeah. unfortunate that usually the this is for Vince stuff was kind of further down the card, but I mean, well, Kenny Vick, you know. I guess that's not really true. Yeah, man, I I I mean I, I can't uh you know like I just feel so bad for Swerve, man, after watching the second hour. And Swerve's really good in the ring, he's a good promo, and he's gotta come out here. Like Prince Nana did the fucking cardinal sin of any heel promo where he told everyone to shut up when they weren't talking. And he did it fucking twice. And I'm like, dude, no one cares. No one's booing you. You know, no one cares about this. This is the opposite of Dom Mysterio, whatever you're fucking doing right now. Um, you know, it, Darby came out and he has this thing. I will say this. He has this thing where I believe all of his promos, but like that doesn't mean that he's likable at all. <laughs> he was basically like, "You're an addict." Also, here's my dad; he's gonna beat your ass. And like, I believed he believed all those things, but I'm also like, "How does this make Darby into like this fucking white hot baby face?" I thought MJF calling out Roderick Strong, Roderick Strong was the best, uh, was the best portion of the night. Him calling out Adam Cole, I, I think. You know, like then Roderick Strong being like, like comforted by Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. I just kept thinking to myself, I'm like, is this show like, like this is a joke Mike Lawrence would make? Like th this feels like, like meta almost like of these guys and, and like them being kind of funny when they did it. Like I felt like I was watching this thing. Like it's, it's how we would wrote, we, we would write it being bad, but because we wrote it being bad that way. It kind of worked in a weird way. Um, but I, I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know what that fucking means, man. I, I don't, I really don't even know what I said. I have no idea what the tournament, you know, is going to do for these girls. I mean, we all know that we, we all know that the people that Scott picked are going to be the people that are in this four way, you know, nobody, nobody wants to see fucking Anna Jay and Wembley, you know, this isn't, uh, so in that case, just, you know, there's plenty of story that you can do leading up to this. You have 
two of the people in this four-way that are in the same stable. You can tease the tension between them. You know, you have all this interesting stuff is happening with Brit now, you know, where it's like, well, Brit, you can try to turn Brit heel again because of all the outside shenaz that's been happening. But yeah, I thought this the second hour was pretty rough, man. I mean, I I I, I thought this whole episode, besides the MJF and Cole stuff, was 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 pretty pretty bad. Um yeah, Jungle Boy and RBD was fine, but I thought everything else about it was, you know, the whole the whole thing with like uh Blackpool Combat Club and and uh, the Lucha Bros is because Pac is out and because like they've kind of had stop starts with Orange Cassidy and what they're doing there you know it just felt I just feel felt like it was just kind of like kind of like a meaningless match almost you know <sighs> um yeah that's those are my two that's my two cents folks I'm sticking with it thanks Norm I wish. Yeah, well, uh, I think that was that was everyone had their their say on hour two of uh, of dynamite. Uh, we got a high spot, low spot. Yes, we got. I'm gonna actually start out with low spot. Uh, I wanted to say the next uh, couple months, guys. I'm gonna be doing the Mike Lawrence thing. I'm gonna be doing probably once a month doing the part timer. Uh, I will not be on the Patreon. Robert will be uh, taking over for me. Um, <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, my low spot is not having you guys and the dorks in my life as much. Um, but I, I'm kind of burnt out by wrestling, man. And I uh, need to focus on some other things right now. But I'm not leaving. This isn't like a hard leaving the podcast. I will be, you know, I I, I plan to come on after pay-per-views. Um, but I, I just need a break for a little bit. And, and who knows what the future will tell. But mostly this is a high spot in the sense that like, the amazing fans that i've met through this podcast and you know like just uh how much fun i've had with with our hosts um, i love working with robert and scott and and zach and mike um i just uh i just can't be here as long so uh i will be though finishing up my uh my tour my tour of duty throughout uh all in and all out and then after that and probably now payback too because that's the same week <laughs> <laughs> well, because payback's the same weekend. I forgot. Yeah, I, like, Dan, <laughs> I can never. Dan's going to be texting us, guys. I watched wrestling again. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I believe on. I believe this in the same way that Dan once said, "I quit my Observer subscription. I will never listen to Meltzer again." And then, like two weeks later, right before we're about to record, you clearly hear Meltzer on like on his laptop. So. I'm sure this is Dan's farewell forever until like two weeks later after it. He's just like, all right, let's, let's come back on. We're going to go talk, you know, top 10 wackiest TNA survivor crossover moments. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, that that's what really broke me is when I was doing the something of sports and I was doing TNA every week. I, I think I finally, like my head blew off, but um, anyway, I love you guys. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm just part-timing it, man. I'll be brocking it. You know, I'm not going to be, Get one of those sweet fucking Patreon checks you guys get every month. Um, high spot. Uh, Ryback and Linda McMahon may be having an affair. <laughs> According to Ryback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, look, man, Ryback is the greatest in the sense of like just being like a really obnoxious guy who gives us good news stories his new thing now is that he's trying to date linda 
to get back at Vince. If you know anything about Vince and Linda, that will not piss Vince off, Ryback. He'll be totally fine with it. He may send you an edible arrangement, and then you can fucking record record eating that edible arrangement on your shitty YouTube show. But either way, it was a fun article to read. And another high spot, I'm just going to say, I mentioned this on the Patreon, but Christian and his daughter on Collision, that's like my favorite new thing in wrestling right now. Christian, Christian should just keep bringing his daughter around and, and yelling at her and have security throw her out. That, for me, is the most fun heel thing anybody's doing. So uh, those are my high spots, low spots. Robert? All right. Uh, my, I have uh, two high spots, two low spots. My first high spot, uh, Rhea Ripley and uh, Buddy Murphy got engaged. It's always nice when there's a, a, a positive uh, story from a wrestling couple. It's awesome that, uh, that they got engaged. Um, also, someone on Twitter had posted a, um, hopefully uh, we see a, a dark side of the ring about Mikey Whipwreck next season. And then Mikey Whipwreck replied, my life is pretty normal and I'm not dead. Uh, shrug emoji. <laughs> Gotta love that. Uh, Mikey Ripwreck. Mikey Ripwreck is awesome. My two low spots first, uh, Sonia Deville, uh, getting hurt, uh, tore ACL out with surgery. Her and Chelsea were really fun as women's tag champs. Uh, hopefully she gets back soon. My other low spot, I go on Twitter or X or whatever the, the fuck it's called, and I saw something and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go DM this to a good friend of mine, Dan St. Germain who has blocked me on Twitter. I, I didn't block you. I blocked you on Twitter? You blo- I literally went to my your fucking <laughs> Twitter thing, and it was like, <laughs> I went to go view something. It's like, you cannot view this. You've been blocked. So that not is only crazy. is Dan, That's not true. That is Dan's, like, yeah, that this was is some... the hard quit from the show. Uh, it's the goodbye scorched earth. I'm blocking <laughs> Robert on Twitter. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm doing this... Uh... I'm doing. I'm unblocking you now. Oh man! Why what did a... I, I? I don't know why I blocked you. I, I, <laughs> I don't. It, I, it's pulled up. I was gonna. You know what it was? Because I was gonna go and I was like, oh, I saw that on Dan's horror podcast this week. He has Soder on. They're talking about Predator. I should go retweet that on the Twitter. Well, hey, I unblocked but... you, so if you can retweet <laughs> it, I really would appreciate it. Uh, I would really appreciate it because that was not intentional, folks. I just, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, that is hilarious that I did that. Um, oh, Scott, high spot, low spot. All right, let's think of some high spots. Um, I had him, and then that that was so funny that you blocked Robert on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, the G one, okay, the uh, not the finals, but close to it. What is that? What, what is right before the finals? The semifinals, the quarterfinals? I don't know math. Anyway, um, Will Osprey is fighting uh, Naito on Saturday, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, also, Evil is fighting uh, uh, Okada, I think maybe Evil versus Okada. Or Evil versus Sonata. Who is it? Maybe Evil versus Sonata. I don't know who's fighting who. But I do know Osprey is fighting Aito. And so uh, that is that is a high spot because that's going to be a, a banger of a match. Um, my low spot is I think the Marty Janetti dark side of the ring is, is the first one that made the guy think it's a good thing, you know? And I think we got to <laughs> realize that when when we speak negatively of Marty Janetti, he thinks we're like complimenting a song he wrote. 
he really thinks he's like the fucking Beatles or something. And so you can't go, hey, I heard you hit a guy with a brick. He thinks you you said, hey, I heard you wrote Blackbird, like, out of a dream. <laughs> My question, he definitely, he I mean, like, artist. I still walked away. Like, Dark Side, you know, shout out to Evan, friend of the show. Um, they kind of hinted that he still could have killed that guy. Um, I still don't think he killed that guy. I still don't think that's a real story, do you? No, I think, like, you know, I think wrestlers tell stories, and then I think some of them don't know what what that necessarily means, you know? Yeah. Like, dude, there's a dude, Rick Flair gets interviewed by a Theo Vaughn. I saw a few highlights on on, uh, on my Instagram. Yeah. And Rick Flair is just talking reckless. Like, there is a type of guy. A lot of them became wrestlers in the seventies and eighties, who who live in fucking La La Land, man, and they talk out that ass. And you gotta watch the shit Ric Flair says; it's demented. Yeah, it's uh, my word of the week is demented. Yeah, is, is Theo just gonna like uh, interview? Is that his new thing now? He's just gonna interview liars, wrestling liars. <laughs> yeah. Because if so, I mean, he's going to have, I mean, fuck, man, he should bring out goddamn Vince and Jeremy. Also, like, I was listening to Cornette and, uh, and they were, and, and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, the fucking Brian Last brought up the fact that, like, and this is more of a question of Robert. Like, Vince is going through this spinal surgery right before the second time he may go to trial. Is this so he can get a neck brace again? And for the next courtroom battle that he can be in another neck brace. Do you think there's any psyche with Vince of like, if I come in looking like Tiny Tim, they can't throw the book at me? That was what they thought the first go around, but no, because he doesn't, I think his deep hatred of weakness bothers him more than anything else. He wants to be like, I'm going in for the fight of my life and I'm at a hundred percent. Like I'm going to no sell back surgery and be, you know, return the next day. Uh, no, he, the, the annoyance that he has over the fact that there's even footage of him in a neck brace, uh, is worse than had he gone to prison for distribution of steroids. Uh, company line carpalus, everybody. Scott, are you all right? You sound like you're falling, like falling downstairs. downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to go outside and grab something out of the car. Man, I, what is what is going on at the payphone that you were calling in from yeah, right I, now? I, and everyone's <laughs> and, and everyone's Russell Rose suicide poll. Nobody had Scott, but there you go. Dude, I'm too I'm too stupid to be miserable. You feel me? No, no. First of all, my money's on Zach because no one's heard from Zach in months. <laughs> yeah, I know. He he might not even be washing his hands anymore. No, no. <laughs> All right. But on that note, maybe we all should wash your hands. See you next week, folks. Roast of QT Marshall. Bye-bye.